0: it puts me in a very uh, tough situation as a pastor because as a pastor, you often hear about the terrible things that people go through and are going through and then you want to fix it. And that's, I'm probably only like 20% of the time able to actually do anything to fix what they're going through. Which, it's, it's horrible, you know. And so what I do in times like that is I turn to the Psalms. And I pray and I meditate on the Psalms. And so I would like to do that with you this morning. And we are going to turn to one of the most famous Psalms. The Lord is my shepherd is the title of the sermon. But more importantly, it's the title of the Psalm. So you can pop it up Psalm chapter 23. And as we read this, um, my purpose in reading this is, as I said to Zandi yesterday when she sprung the question on me at dinner time while I was chewing on my lettuce, "What are you trusting the Lord for tomorrow?" she asked, and I said, "What I'm trusting for today is that we would find our safe place in Christ." It sounds simple, but many Christians struggle to find. I sometimes struggle to find my safe place in Christ, and it starts right here. The Lord is my Shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. That's my favorite line of this whole psalm because I often need God to restore my soul, to fix what's hurting in my heart. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and and love will follow me all the days of my life, and when we die? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so for somebody like me who tries to fix everything, this is a helpful psalm for for all of us. A reminder that the Lord is my shepherd. That is where I find my safe place. I, I say this because we often need reminders of this, because we often, in times of danger, run to other places to find peace, to find safety, to find security. And those places always deceive us. Sometimes they temporarily offer peace, but sometimes they don't even temporarily offer us peace. Uh, And they leave us disappointed and they leave us oftentimes worse off than we were before we went there. And so what I would like to do this morning, I would like us, in our hearts to return to the safe place that's in Christ and to recognize how we fit into God's picture. So he's the shepherd which makes us sheep. Um, And until we have a proper perspective of who God is and who he is to us and who we are and who we are to God, as much as he may be your shepherd, sometimes we don't actually experience his peace. Because we haven't positioned our hearts towards him correctly. I'll explain a little bit more of what I mean. Basically what I mean is sometimes we don't think about ourselves like sheep. Sheep is not renowned for being a very noble animal. Think of eagles, horses, lions, king of the jungle. Sheep is not one that springs to mind like, I wish I could be like a sheep, you know? So maybe you can just, if you got that image there, I've actually got a picture of a little diagram of a sheep. So what I would like to do, I want to point out, what, I want to answer the question, why does God think we are like sheep? Because sometimes God's perspective of us and our perspective of us are different. And I would like to try and realign our perspective with God's perspective, how he sees us. So we're going to unlearn a little bit and tweak some of our thinking in some ways. We don't tend to think of ourselves like sheep. I'll point out why. A couple of things to point out about a sheep. And I've got a diagram up there. You probably don't need one, but I always liked diagrams. If you're watching on YouTube, just imagine, not YouTube, on Zoom, there's a picture of a sheep. It's nothing too special. It's just literally just a sheep. A couple of things are conspicuously absent from a sheep's anatomy. For one, it doesn't have horns. In fact, it doesn't have any defense mechanisms. It doesn't run and jump like a springbok. A springbok in a fight or flight situation will choose flight, and it's very good at escaping because it jumps really high, it's really quick, might be small, but it's fast. Don't, sheep don't have that. They don't jump high, they don't run fast. It doesn't have horns. It can't stab a predator. It doesn't have powerful jaws and like vicious teeth that can tear something apart. Um, A sheep in, in many ways is like a bunny chow with legs. It's just kind of waiting to be eaten. You know what I'm saying? So I'm saying this not just because I'm trying to be cute. Like the Bible talks like this. Jesus, for example, was spoken about as the Lamb of God. Why was he called the Lamb of God? Because it says he was led like a sheep or like a lamb to slaughter. He went meekly. He went meekly. You know, he, he was abused because he was meek. Jesus said he is sending us out into the world like sheep among Wolves. I said earlier, I wish he had sent us out like wolves among sheep. That would have been nice. But he sent us out like he sent Jesus out meekly. The other thing to make mention of with the sheep, and you won't like this because we we're close to the university here, but they, they are not renowned for their intelligence either. They've actually got a disproportionately small brain for some reason. Um, so they, they don't have the ability. To outwit their enemies, they're not crafty. That can, you know, you what, whatever they lack in physical physique, they, can, they make up with their brains. They can outwit it. They, they're not. They're not like that. They're not renowned for being particularly good at seeing predators coming far off and identifying danger early. At all. In fact, they often die because they misidentify danger when it's coming. So, for example, like there'll be a puppy that will come play nearby and the whole herd will run off the cliff. That's a true story. I literally read stories about that. So they'll have signs near the sheep farm, please don't let your puppies play here. You know, like, (laughs) that's a thing. Um, They also are not able to escape up a tree or into the mountains or, you know, they haven't got any special abilities in terms of being able to escape danger either. I promise I'm going to get to the good news now. I'm just, I'm just identifying, like, God thinks of us as sheep. Why? This is some of the reasons. I'm going to get to the solutions of what what do we do in the light of it. I know it's not nice to be patronized and called a sheep on a Sunday morning, but it's what Jesus said. So I'm also a sheep. So I've also wrestled with this. I've for a long time struggled to make peace with the fact that God thinks I'm like a sheep. The other tendency that they have is to go astray and be deceived. In Isaiah, you can pop that up. Isaiah chapter 53 says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. The Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. In James chapter 5, you got it there, verse 19, it says, If one of you should wander away from the truth. That's sheep language. Sheep like to wander off, right? That's what they're known for and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So we've got a tendency to go astray in our hearts, but also to be deceived by things. This is what God thinks about us. I know we don't like to think of ourselves like that. I I certainly don't. Um, The Bible also says that we are easily influenced by others by those around us now we know this because on facebook and other platforms it's constantly waking us up like wake up sheeple right you've heard that one before sheeple you know like don't be a sheeple don't be a sheep i've got bad news like we are like sheep doesn't matter how many times somebody tells me to wake up sheeple like i (laughs) the bible the bible doesn't say sheep must be like wake up from being a sheep and be a wolf rather it's like no stick close to your shepherd. That's how you protect yourself when you're a sheep. You don't try and stop being a sheeple. So just as a very funny example, so we can laugh a bit and then also think about ourselves a little bit. There was this really funny story, but it's maybe not funny to you if you love sheep. I, I don't really. There's a story of this herd. This is a herd, eh? Flock. Sorry. Flock of sheep. And I'll just read the story because it's, it's just amazing to read it. First, one sheep jumped off the cliff to its death. Then the stunned Turkish shepherds, who were having a breakfast nearby, watched as nearly 1,500 others followed, each leaping off the same cliff. In the end, they didn't all die, that's a good news. Only 450 of them died. The reason why only 450 of them died and the other ones survived was because they are very soft and bouncy. So the ones that died formed a big cushion at the bottom of the cliff and the ones that followed had a soft landing and they laid down their lives sacrificially for the rest of the flock that came thereafter. Somebody commented earlier, so if somebody goes astray, make sure you're not the first 450 and then thereafter you get a soft landing. So my point is this. That Well, not my point, this is what the Bible says. I'm going to hide really behind Scripture today, otherwise people, are going to, the sheep are going to come beat me afterwards for calling them stupid. The Bible says that, you know, we tell our kids, like, be careful of peer pressure when you're at school. Be careful of being influenced by your naughty friends at school. And we know that peer pressure is a thing for kids, and we know peer pressure is a thing for adults. The Bible never says, like, don't give in to peer pressure. This is what it says. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Whoever walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Another one in uh, 1 Corinthians says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Essentially what it's saying is, you will be influenced. You can try and resist for as long as you want, but ultimately you need godly friends. You need to spend time with people who will influence you, for good or for bad, for godliness, for righteousness. You need to, and I want to encourage you, prioritize friendships and time. Spend time with people who are going to influence you for godliness, not for foolishness and wickedness. We can resist, but the Bible doesn't say like, it's okay to spend time with wicked people just so long as you don't allow them to influence you. It doesn't say that, because we are sheep. We are sheep. We are easily influenced. So now I'm going to come to the, que- the answer to the question. It's like, okay, so all of these things is true. We don't like to admit it, but it seems to be true. The Bible says so. We've also seen it happening. How can we keep ourselves in a place of safety? And obviously the most obvious answer to the question is if you don't have your own self-defense mechanism, The only way for a sheep to stay safe is to stay very close to the shepherd. And that is literally the whole point of all the analogies. Stay close to the shepherd. Don't try and outfox Satan. Don't try and figure it out. Don't try and be... Just stay close to Jesus. I'm going to just mention a few false places of refuge which we sometimes go to. And let's just call them for what they are. It's not going to work. One of the things I've noticed now, because we're in, living in such a, a time of uncertainty and danger, one of the strategies that I've noticed many people are trying, and I don't think it's necessarily wrong to do what they're doing, or well, I don't know if it will work, but I'm not a professional on these things. All I know is the heart. What are you trusting in? Many people are now trying to go to alternative news sources, right? So the the, the thinking goes that... Um, Mainstream news has been bought out by government and by business. They're not telling us what's really going on. We need to turn to alternative news sources so that we can know what is really going on. And that's fine. But here's the thing. If you think you're going to be okay, if you think you're going to be safe because you really know what's going on, you're putting your faith in the wrong thing. Reality is most of the time we are not going to know what's really going on. And it doesn't actually matter. I know that sounds controversial, but it doesn't actually matter. All that matters is that we are staying close to the shepherd. Jesus knows what's going on. Not only does he know what's going on, he knows the end from the beginning. He can speak to me. He can warn me. He can lead me. When Herod tried to kill Jesus, Jesus was a baby. He was in a cradle. It wasn't like Joseph read on an alternative news site that there's this conspiracy going on by the government to kill all people who are two years and under. Jesus sent an angel and he said, it's dangerous to be here, you need to go there. And he did so and he was saved. Now I know I'm oversimplifying things, but you hear my heart. Don't put your confidence in your ability to outwit, outlast and outplay. Those of you who don't watch Survivor, don't worry about that reference. We can't outwit. If you're putting the pressure on yourself to outwit all the dangers in life right now, you are going to cause yourself an anxiety breakdown. And many people are. Many people are causing themselves anxiety breakdown. Don't put your trust in that. Put your trust in the shepherd. Other people try and control their environment. So, in other words, they won't go anywhere. They won't do anything. They won't be with anyone that they can't control to be safe. But the problem is, well, there's lots of problems with that. You can't, contr- you can't control your life. You can't control your circumstances. You can't control the people around you. If you're putting your faith in your confidence to stay safe by controlling people, controlling your environment, you're putting your faith in the wrong thing. And your world is going to shrink smaller and smaller and smaller until you're living in a box. And that is not God's design for your life. Amen? The other thing people, sometimes do is slip into escapism. They try and deny the reality of what's going on around them. And we've got lots of different ways of doing that, but sometimes it's just like, I'm just going to binge Netflix because I'm just overwhelmed right now, or whatever it is that you binge. But God doesn't want us to deny the dangers around us. He doesn't want us to escape in our hearts and our minds to a happy place. He wants us to stick close to Jesus, the shepherd, the good shepherd, and find our peace and our sense of security in Him. And the last false refuge is compromise. Sometimes when we get put in a situation which is dangerous, we bend the rules, which we know is wrong, and we justify bending the rules and breaking the rules because, well, it's an exceptional circumstance. And I want to say, we always honor God. Don't allow fear to cause you to compromise and to bend rules. So the long and the short of it all is that You can't control your life. You can't control your future. You can't control your destiny, and God doesn't need you to. You're a sheep. You need to stay close to the shepherd. One of the things that somebody told me, Hector told me recently, he's got a background in psychology, Is like, what they've noticed with kids is that if they don't have a good relationship with their parents, when they are playing in a playground, they don't explore the full facility. Isn't that profound? Because they feel insecure. They don't feel safe. The same is true for Christians. When our faith and our confidence and our trust in Jesus is not healthy and strong, our world gets small. And fear makes our lives small and riddled with danger and fear. And that's not what God has for us. That's the first thing we do is we stick close to the shepherd. The second thing we need to acknowledge, and this is all throughout the scripture, it sounds so controversial, but it's so biblical, is we need leadership in our lives. We need leadership. Leadership is a gift from God. Like sheep need a shepherd, we need leadership. Now it's interesting, God has put leadership in every area of our lives. And I'm aware that we are living in a culture that's anti-authoritarian, but guess what? That's Satan's scheme. Because he knows you strike the shepherd and guess what's going to happen to the sheep? They scatter and live their lives riddled and gripped by anxiety. That is exactly what we are seeing happening in our world today. Okay, so you don't trust the government and now we are going to disregard that authority in my life. Guess what? You may have a lot of merit for doing that, but you are now a sheep without a shepherd. And you're going to live your life trying to fend for yourself as a defenseless, and I know that's a controversial example, but I'm going to read some scriptures. Let's maybe read some scriptures. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Why? Because they keep watch over you. That's shepherd language. Shepherds watch over. They look for danger. They warn. As those who must give account. Obey them so that their work will, not, will be a joy, not a burden for that would be of no advantage to you. If you read the letters, you'll find, of, the letters in the Bible that is written to the churches, you'll find in almost every letter, there's a reminder about the order which God has placed us in and acknowledging the different leadership roles in our lives. It's quite an astounding thing. I'll give you an example because maybe you've never noticed this before. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, it starts by saying, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. He speaks about the king and then the the, the guy who's working for the king, the governor. So that's civil authority. But he doesn't stop there. Then he goes on to speak to the slaves in verse 18. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect. So it started with civil authority, the government of the land. Now it's speaking about your workplace. So in those days, most laborers were slaves. It was like the most common form of labor. Most of us are slaves also, but we just don't call it that. We call it something nice. But we work like a dog. So that's talking about your workplace. Like leadership in the workplace. That's a good thing. So that your work environment does well. Then he goes on to speak to families. three Chapter 3, verse 1. Wives in the same way. Be submissive to your husbands. So that's talking about in the home. In the home environment, there's also leadership. So can you see, we've got civil, work, home. It goes on to speak, uh, chapter 5, verse 5, to talk about church. In the church, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. That's a strange translation. Actually, it's talking about elders there. But anyway, UNIV is what it is. But in the church, there's eldership. And then in, in Ephesians, it even speaks to the kids. And it says, children, obey your parents. This is right in the Lord. Namila knows this one really well because Zandi sings it to her every, every week. But my point is that in order to stay safe, God has given us leaders and leadership in every sphere of our lives. I wanted to just say a quick word here. I know this is not really the focus of this sermon, but to those of you who are leaders i wanted to just give a few reminders like if you are a husband or a father if you lead a community if you and whatever form of leadership if you're a boss i wanted to just remind you christ lays his life down for his sheep do you do you lay your life down for those God has given you responsibility for christ considers the needs of others before he considers his own needs. He literally died for our needs. He he puts us before himself. Christ cares willingly for those he is responsible for, not begrudgingly or complaining or moaning about it. You know, when you're a parent and you get woken up for the second or third time in the night to care for your child, I'll admit there is a, there is a temptation to forget the privilege and the joy that it is to be a father and to do it begrudgingly. But Christ always does it from a sense of love and care and compassion and joy. That's how he leads us. So in every form of responsibility that God may have put you in, to do it willingly. Then the last thing I want to just say about in terms of how do we stay safe as sheep, considering what we've already considered about that sheep there on, on the diagram. One of the things God wants from us and says very often in Scripture, and I'll I'll reference it now, is that He he is the shepherd. That won't change. But will we respond to Him like sheep? Now, this is not talking about our natural tendency. This is talking about now our redeemed hearts. We are actually born with a rebellious heart, more like goats. But Christ, by His Spirit, transforms our hearts to become sheep-like towards the voice of Christ. That's why in Matthew chapter 25, it talks about on Judgment Day, he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. Maybe you've never noticed the significance of that. Goats and sheep are different. We're not really in a pastoral sort of community. You may not have spent a lot of time with goats and sheep. But why does God take issue with goats? Because, well, let's just read in Romans chapter 10, verse 21. Israel was God's sheep herd. They were his flock, and he rejected them. It says one day he will redeem them again, but he rejected them, and it says here why he rejected them in Romans chapter 10, verse 21, but concerning Israel, God says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Just keep it up there. So, the, the language here is, is Christ, God the shepherd, has got his arms open. He's, that's, that's, he's inviting them. He's wanting to lead them. He's wanting to care for them. He's wanting to shepherd them. But they wouldn't. They wouldn't allow him to lead them because they were disobedient and obstinate. I want to pick up on that word obstinate. That's a goat word. Let me explain why it's a goat word. The, the word obstinate is something we don't often use, but. If you look in the dictionary, some other words which mean the same as obstinate, stubborn, headstrong, unbending, pig headed, strong willed, stiff necked. In other words, with a goat, you cannot lead them any place that they don't want to go. That's the opposite of a sheep. Easily led, easily influenced. And so in our hearts, one of the incredibly important things God may be a good shepherd, but are we good sheep? Are our hearts inclined to listen? Are our hearts inclined to follow? Or does he have to put us into one of those judo arm grip moves and get us to, okay, 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 tap out? So Those have been watching the Olympics. But the thing is, it's very important to know about Christ. He's not the kind of shepherd that when you stray away and rebelliously turn away from him and go your own way, he's not the kind of shepherd that follows you, beats you down, and, kick, and drags you, kicking and screaming into your destiny with him. He's not that kind of shepherd. He's the kind of shepherd that holds his arms out open and says, come, follow me. I will speak to those of you that have ears to hear, hear my voice. And as, as God's people, the safest place that you can be in is, is in a place of acknowledging your need to listen and hear the voice of Christ. That's the best way to stay out of danger, is to be quick to respond to the voice of your shepherd. And so this is a work on progress in us. I know that we start out with obstinate, stubborn hearts. I am the chief culprit for that. But Christ is changing our hearts, is transforming our hearts to be sheep-like in following after him. Does that make sense? I want to just end off. I've spoken about Jesus as shepherd and I've spoken about the difference between sheep and goats and all of that. I want to just end off with a picture of Jesus. I mentioned earlier, you know, like sometimes when you're going through a rough time, a good friend might come alongside you and put his arm around you and say, well, we don't we don't put our arm around socially distanced might say to you, Don't don't worry, everything's gonna be fine. You know our friends will say that. Don't worry, everything's gonna be fine. And they say that because they're nice. But they don't they don't actually know <laughs> if <laughs> if everything's gonna be fine. It it's just a reassuring thing to say. But what about when Jesus says to you, Don't be afraid, everything's gonna be fine. Let's just read jesus you can put that a passage up in revelation i'm going to read it's a long passage so i'm not i'm not going to read i'm just going to read the end bit but it gives us a picture of in revelation chapter 1 verse 12 it gives us this vision i encourage you to read it if you're feeling overwhelmed by the way the way the world is in your own life it gives this picture of jesus walking amongst the lampstands holding stars in his hand and the stars and the lampstands are us it shows his picture of like he's 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 walking in and amongst us. He's, he's watching. He's, he's watching over us. It's his care and his concern. And it's, it's really worth meditating on some of the descriptions of Jesus. I'll just pick up on one. His hair is white like wool, as white as snow. Why does it say that? That's a reference for us of his wisdom. He's the ancient of days. He's lived so long. You know, gray hair is a sign of old age. Hair that's white as snow. It's, des- it's describing the fact that he is before all things. He is after all things. He is the ancient of days. Whatever is facing you right now, it's, it, he's seen it before. He goes on to say in verse 17, this is John. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. Why? I am the first and the last. Go on. I might, you may not have it. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And guess what? I hold the keys of death and Hades. Now if that friend, that friend turns to you and says, don't worry, it'll be okay. That's not just somebody saying nice things. That's the king of the universe, the ancient of days, the beginning and the end, the one who died and now lives forevermore, who knows how the world is going to end, who knows how my life is going to end. He is the one saying, I'm with you. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am with you, and I will be with you. Amen? Can we, can we pray? Lord Jesus, we just want to acknowledge that you are the Ancient of Days. You are the First and the Last. You are the Living One. You are the One who died and now lives forevermore. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I just feel God asking you this morning, have you fully surrendered and entrusted your life to Christ? Do you trust Him as your shepherd? Or are you trusting in yourself? Have you taken refuge in false places of security and safety? Maybe trying to outwit the enemy on your own, in your own intelligence, or whatever your safety mechanisms are. I feel God saying this morning, have you, will you entrust your life to me? Trust me completely. If you haven't, maybe the Holy Spirit is just reminding you again this morning. I want to just encourage you. Just Don't you want to just open up your hands? There will be many of us here, but just if you feel God saying, I want you to trust me again, just open up your hands and say, let's just in our hearts say, Lord Jesus, we trust you. Forgive us, Lord, where we've taken control or tried to be in control when we're not. We trust you, Lord Jesus. Would you lead us? Would you protect us? Even when we don't understand, we trust you, Lord Jesus. Even if in your heart, if Satan has corrupted your heart so that you actually don't see your need for leadership in your life, whether in any of the kinds of leadership that I spoke about earlier, I feel like God wants to remind you this morning, no, it's a good thing. It's a gift from me. You need leaders in your life. You won't be able to figure this all out on your own. They're there for your good. If you need to adjust your heart and that, to say, God, I'm sorry, I recognize that's a gift from you. And lastly, if in your heart you've made it difficult for Jesus to lead you, You've been more of a goat. You've had to, you've, God's had to fight with you every time he wants you to do something. Just repent in your heart right now. Just say, God, I'm sorry for not being meek and following easily when you speak. I will hear you when you speak. I will follow you when you speak. When you're warning me of danger, I will heed your warning.